Hey everyone, it's Tali from the Astro Twins and I'm here with Rick Levine. How's it going, Rick? <laughs> it's going. Yes, you are all the way in Bali and stayed up till midnight to talk to us. For those of you who um, uh, don't know Rick, which is probably very few of you out there, you've been reading his daily horoscopes for over 20 years on Yahoo and Huffington Post and LA Times, right? And, and Tarot.com and LA Times. <laughs> if there's anyone still there. <laughs> MySpace, oh my! And also, uh, your books that you wrote every year for Barnes Noble. You've been one of the the insane astrologers. You can just write that content for. Uh, and uh, no wonder you're in Bali now. It's like, okay, I think I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna need a long Balinese nap myself soon from twenty years of dailies writing. But it's you know we can't stop ourselves. No, the problem is, is I get to Bali and I'm just as busy or busier than I am. I mean, I love being here, uh, but you know, it's just a, it's just a change of venue instead of the rain of Seattle. It's the rain of Bali right now. It's right. Rainy, rainy. It's beautiful here, though. And it, and you'll be seeing the annular solar eclipse too. And in in Singapore, that's right. Next week. God, that's amazing. So by the time this airs, you will have gone through a whole, you know, a seeing the eclipse and figuring out, you know, we'll be stepping into the new decade. So we're going to talk about Saturn today. I always love hearing what you have to say about Saturn. And, and you've, been, you've been referring to Saturn as the keeper of the gates, I know. Can you say a little more about that? Well, yes. Um, Saturn's job is basically the, he is the designated gatekeeper. And, you know, gates to us modern folks are just no big deal. But if you were living five or 6,000 years ago and you were living next door to Steve Jobs, instead of inventing an iPad, he would have invented the hinge mm. because the hinge basically gave us the ability to maintain the structure of a wall and open it, walk through it, have the gate close and still have the structure maintained. It's um, prior to that walls were you couldn't take them down. You couldn't do it. You know, you, you were either stuck on one side or the other, period. And so we moderners just don't get it. And Saturn's job is the keeper of the, the ultimate wall, the wall between here and there. In Greek or Hellenistic astrology, or in Greek, actually, in the Neoplatonic thought, when a soul was reincarnating and coming to Earth, it came first through the gates of Saturn oh. and then through Jupiter, Mars, Venus, Mercury, uh, the sun, the moon, and boom here on Earth. And this process was the same process when you pass, when you die, you go through that same thing. And ultimately, when you pass through the gates of Saturn, that is Saturn is the Grim Reaper. Saturn is Father right. Time. Saturn is the end of the road. And here's an interesting thing because etymologically, and we'll say a little bit more about this a little later, but etymologically, Saturn and Satan are not different mm. because in fact, it was Lucifer who was the fallen angel and an angel was in metaphysical realms, non-physical. Right. And Lucifer fell through the gates of Satan or Saturn became physical. And so the process of going from metaphysical to physical or from unreal or imaginary to real is basically that Saturn's job. And what we moderners also don't realize was that going back to time immemorial, that to the ancients, when they watched the skies at night and they watched what we call the sun, the moon, and the planets, what they call planeta, which were just wanderers, when they watched these things wandering through the starry sky, the slowest rhythm, the slowest um, beat, the lowest note, the bass note, if you will, was Saturn. There wasn't anything slower than Saturn that moved. Once you went past Saturn, you were on the, the fixed sphere of stars, and so Saturn, again, was the beholder 
real, that which was animated, that which was alive, and that which was out there and did not move and had no movement at all. Right. And that, and then there's the outer planets now that we can see them, you know, and which are. And that's, <laughs> and that's an interesting thing because, at, well, first of all, when Uranus was discovered, it blew people's minds because all of a sudden the real estate of our little neighborhood in the solar system, which had been contained by Saturn, it tripled. Right. It went from 30 years to 90 years or 29 years to 84 years. Um, and so all of, so, so Uranus was a shocker. It's the planet of shock. It was right. shocking. And, um, and when Uranus and then Neptune and then Pluto and now, you know, NASA tracks over a half a million things going around the sun. That's crazy. The exoplanets you know, and the, yeah. All right, so, so here's the thing. The thing is that as asteroids were then discovered and, and then centaurs and then Oort bodies and, you know, and, and all these other things that are, that are in our neighborhood, what's happened is that, th that the things that were not perceivable, they were, they were imperceptible. Saturn was the limit of our senses. Right. And, and then as Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and other things began to be discovered with technology, with the telescope, we began to realize that the three-dimensional world was not the only world. And, and, and here it's really interesting because there was a French chemist who was the first uh, president of the, of the um, uh, French Academy of Sciences back in the 18th century, in the mid mid late 1700s, around the time when Uranus was discovered and around the time of the American and French revolutions, Uranus being the planet of independence and freedom. So this guy named Lavoisier is credited with discovering oxygen. But what he really discovered was that there could be something that was invisible that had substance. Right. And he proved that fire consumed the substance of oxygen. Prior to that, there was no knowledge of it. There were just, I mean, it was air. You know, there was right. the air was invisible. But the idea that invisible things could have substance was a, a shocker, just like Uranus being a shocker. And what this did is this set in motion a movement that is really just culminating now but over the past hundred years, um, what's happened is that the imaginary, the non-physical has become more important than the physical. And I'll give you a quick example. Wealth used to be in the realms of Saturn. Wealth was what? Real estate. Money, right. Oh, land. Real. It was, it was stuff. Mm -hmm. it, it had to, it had to ah. have substance. Um, and, and now the wealthiest people in the world are people who own portions of the electromagnetic spectrum. They own nothing real. They're the Bill Gates's and the, um, you know, and the telecommunication giants and the Googles and the, what do these people own? They own Ears. vibrations. Yeah, but, oh, they, true. They own vibrations. Yeah. And, and, and so what we've seen is a shift of power from the three-dimensional world into the world that's outside the realm of, of, of um, perception, of direct five-dimension or five senses. Which is and, where Saturn and, draws that line. And for those who are newer to astrology, you know, all the planets have an association with them. So after Saturn, Uranus rules more of the metaphysical higher mind. Um, and then Neptune, Neptune dreams and imagination. I mean, yeah. all the outer planets are, are not physical. They're yeah, power. Pluto's the secret, the unconscious, the things that are hidden, right? So, mm -hmm. and, and, and all of these, all of these invisible forces in some ways are, as the Buddhists knew thousands of years ago, they're the things that create the physical forces. Right. And so it's, we, we in the Western world have had it backwards. You know, we thought that physicality evolved until we developed brains and then got consciousness, when the fact of the matter is, it's the other way around. 
consciousness created matter. But that's a digression. Coming back to Saturn, I, I want to talk just for a moment about the English mystic poet William Blake. Right. Uh, Will, William Blake created a whole mythology, and, and he created names for all the gods that he created in his mythology. And the god that was the kind of the, his replacement for the Judeo-Christian um, god who wore long white robes and had a long white beard and was usually pissed off for some reason, you know, um, his name for that god was, it, it was spelled U-R-I-Z-E-N. It looks like U-R-I-Z-E-N. But it actually, it actually is a play on the words your reason your reason uh, which uh -huh. which was which was saturn because saturn is the limit of thinking it's the limit of anything now here's a, a, a what feeds into this is the symbol for saturn um which um yeah yeah I, let me share my screen just sure, for yeah. a quick second um and always good to have um, the visuals yep I'm going to just really, really, really quickly here, um, bring up a screen. Um, am I sharing? Can you see? Yes, the you are. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, then let's do this. Um, and there we go. Okay. So, so here we're now looking at, at a picture of Saturn, the ringed planet. And as you said, every Saturn has it, every Saturn, every planet has its own mythology. And Saturn is normally associated with tests and with constriction and with, uh, with resistance. Saturn is the planet that, that holds us back so that reality is crystallized. Now, here's the crazy thing. Um, the symbol for Saturn is actually made up of two separate symbols. It's made up of the symbol of the cross, which is we know as the symbol of Christianity, but it predates Christianity. And it's actually often referred to as the cross of the material universe or the cardinal cross, the cross of north, south, east, west, or in astrology, the ascendant midheaven and their opposite points. Mm -hmm. Now, this cross of the material universe represents that which we can perceive because the 90 degree angle is the angle of maximum interference with vibrations and that manifests what we see as reality. Reality is basically the result of intersections of incredibly high frequency electromagnetic vibrations that create nodes, knots. And those nodes make the illusion of reality. Albert Einstein once said, reality is an illusion albeit a very persistent one. So, so Saturn, the cross becomes structures and 90 degree angles, squares. And we literally, as we go through life, things bend us out of shape, but we always wanna come back to make that 90 degree angle. Now, the other half of the equation is what looks like a backwards S. And this really represents the, the, the sine wave, the moon, the rising and the falling. If you turn that on its side, it would be the rising and the falling of, of, of the tides. And this represents constant change. And so in effect, the symbol of Saturn has cycles of change that are nailed to a cross. Uh -huh. And if you take that symbol of Saturn and you flip it, you end up with what looks like an ST. And here's where the shit gets crazy. Because, <laughs> because, because when you look in the dictionary, all the Saturn words that, and this list goes on forever. Oh, this is fascinating. All, it, it, that's what, see, Saturn is stuff. It's stuff. resistance, it's stone, yeah. steady, it's austerity, it's, it's stamina, it's constriction, it's tests, it's, I mean, it, it, it's That is crazy. sort of the noise you make when you're like, you're like, all right, I'm gonna loosen up here and then the T just Stop. stops you, yep. All right, so it's, it's also first and last. And the, the laws, the, the limitations, the statutes of state, and even a postal street address and stop and start. But now here's the craziest thing. And that is 
nouns are things. You know, you're a nice person. This is a um, hot climate, mm. uh, mm-hmm. whatever. That's a big room. But adjectives describe the room, you know, the, the things, big, green, nice, those are all adjectives. When we have multiple things and we compare them, we say that one's bigger, this one's nicer, that one's hotter. But the st of Saturn defines the limit. Uh-huh. So it's the most, built- the biggest, the yeah. Saturn, Saturn uh-huh. is built into the language itself. We can't get away from it because when we want to establish the limit, we just throw an ST on it. This is. This is fat. I mean, this is your Gemini rising etymologist at work. I love this. <laughs> and of course, here's the right Saturn Satan. All right, I'm going to stop my screen share. That uh, was amazing. The, the, the pictures of seeing, a, a, you know, that ST, um, and and uh, <laughs> I I remember that the I kind of came across this whole concept. Um, as my daughter, who was a Mercury-Neptune uh, conjunction on her ascendant, for those people who um, are, are not astrologers, Mercury is the planet of communication, and Neptune is the planet of, of, of music, of imagination, of dreams. And my daughter, when she was a baby, she would sing. I mean, she would oh, go, wow. hey, oh, no words. Wow. But then, but if I walked into the room, it would be, Duh. And I realized that cavemen, before they spoke, they probably talked about going to the hunt. What is a, uh, ah, duh, duh. You know, that's, <laughs> that's it's, there's a sound that we make. And, and I kind of, I was really excited when I kind of came, when I figured this out or came across it or made it up, I don't know. But whenever I have a new theory, which I have, way too many i always run them by sun cardinal heavy chart without that would you i i I always i always run them by i always run them by rob hand now for those of you who are not astrologers um i refer to rob hand as the academic dean of astrology on the planet um you know he's um he's a smart boy Um, he has a phd he has a phd in ancient history and he translates from a number of languages, you know, Latin, some Greek. Um, and, I, and I ran this by Rob. And Rob said in his very typically way, he says, my God, Levine, you've stumbled upon a theory of natural evolution of language. Now, that's Mercury and Sagittarius talking, making something sound more important than maybe it is. But... That's pretty, um, pretty, pretty seismic there. I like this. <laughs> and, and, and there are other planetary associations that we're not going to go into now we, because our topic is Saturn and Saturn really likes it when you restrict stuff, <laughs> when, when, when you crystallize one idea, when you stay on topic, when you're stable. He does, Saturn doesn't like it. When Just you're so hard up. sometimes, my, you know. <laughs> sometimes it is. So here's the thing that that we want to know, though, about looking at the year 2020, is that Saturn is about a 30-year cycle. It's 29 and a half years, but about 30 years. And because Saturn goes around the zodiac, around the sun in 30 years, in that amount of time, Pluto, which is the farthest out of the regular planets we astrologers use, Pluto's moved on a little bit. So Saturn goes around in 30 years. And then it takes about another three to five or eight years for it to catch up to Pluto again. Just like the moon catches up with the sun once a month, because mm-hmm. that's what a month is, mm-hmm. that, that the new moons, which is the moon catching up to the sun, that becomes the keeper of, of the time. That's the origination of what, even, of what a month or a month is. Now, by the same token, Saturn catches up to Pluto three times a century. Right. I call it waltz time for civilization because that beat of the one, two, three every hundred years and their oppositions, that would be like the full moon, 
one and two and three. It's like a Strauss waltz. Um, what it. happens? <laughs> what, what happens is that this defines Saturn is the limit. Saturn is the outward circumference. You can't go beyond it. In fact, William Blake said you can't use logic to go to imagination. You, as long as you're using logic, you're still within the realms of the god your reason. Mm. That it's a leap outside to go into the dream realm or in the imagination realm. All right. So Pluto, which is the slowest moving of the regular planets most of us astrologers use, is about transformation. It's about death and rebirth. It's about all the hidden parts of the cycle because it's a 250 year, actually 244 years. 40 years but but yeah. because of that, we never get to experience a whole cycle. So Pluto is largely mysterious and unknown. It's about transformation. It's the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. How does that happen? It happens in the dark. We don't know. All right. So every 33 to 38 years, depending on how fast Pluto is going, Saturn catches up to Pluto and the boundaries of Saturn go through transformation. Mm. And boundaries don't like to be transformed. <laughs> no, they so, here's, so here's what happens. In 1914, Saturn and Pluto were at their new moon phase. They were lined up like at the same place within five days of World War I starting. Right. Um, at, the, uh, at the next opposition in 1931, this was the United States was deep in depression um, and fascism was rising all over the world. The Japanese invaded China. You had the rise of Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin. Um, and that was all at the Saturn-Pluto opposition in 1931. In 1947, at the next conjunction, um, in, within five days of the actual conjunction, Great Britain gives India its independence. Right. And we learned how cool was that? No shots were fired. It was all peaceful. But somehow they forgot to tell us that a half a million people were killed as the borders between uh, Pakistan and India over Kashmir. Again, we have transformation and borders. Half a million people were killed. Um, and then in 1965 was the next opposition, revolution all over the planet. This is, of course, also tied to the Uranus-Pluto conjunction, which is even a deeper rhythm. So the 60s, rock and roll, I mean, major. But also the war in Vietnam from the United States' point of view. At the next conjunction, 1982, it was kind of, first of all, that was the um, Israeli invasion of Lebanon was in 82. Mm. Mm -hmm. But also, it was the only 20th century war between a colonial power, in this case, England, and a, um, and, and a, and a colony, in this case, Argentina. The Falkland Islands War right. was in 1982. Okay. Now, it wasn't a big deal on our map, but bombs were dropped and people were killed and it was a real war and it was a colonial war. And then at the next opposition, the next opposition was in the fall of 2001. We have the bombing of the Pentagon and the World Trade Tower. However you put that together in your mind, that's another rabbit hole. We're not going down. But the event itself was a significant event. And shocking that was the, and unexpected past Saturns, you know. But, but again, it was the rubbing up of boundaries, in this case, the Christian and Muslim, in effect, even though it played out politically in the United States. I mean, the, the Crusades were all timed on years of Saturn-Pluto conjunctions, oppositions. Um, the Arabs invaded Spain on the year of a Saturn conjunction. And five centuries later, they were kicked out of Spain. It became Catholic again. But that year was a Saturn-Pluto conjunction again. And so what does that mean? Right now, Saturn and Pluto are inching together. They will be exactly together the middle of January, January 12th, give or take a day, depending on where you are on the planet. But the impact of these conjunctions and oppositions are not one day or one week or one month. 
They are a year coming and a year going, and we are in that period of time. What we have in the United States with the phenomenon of the country being taken down some black road, you know, by a would-be king or dictator, that same scenario is being played out in England with Brexit, in Venezuela, right. um, in Brazil, um, in Argentina, in Indonesia, or Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong right. was given its Hong Kong was given its freedom um, from China in 1898 at the Saturn Pluto opposition. Wow. And, huh. and these events come around. Here's, here's just one train of thought, and then we'll get off this subject. But in 1898, that was the year the World Zionist Organization was founded. And it was also the year that Gandhi spent in jail in South Africa, getting freedom from apartheid for the Indians uh, in, mm. in South Africa. All right, 1898. 1914, we already talked about that was World War I. But as part of that, Lawrence of Arabia went in through the Arab lands and basically got the Arabs to fight on the, sides of the, on the side of the Allies with the promise that if the Allies won the war, they would protect the Arabs from the Turks, the Ottomans, forever, from external rule. That was 1914. Now, in 1931, because the World Zionist Organization was founded in 1898 at the opposition, Jews from all over the world are flooding into Israel. Right. However... Including my father. <laughs> how, how, however, um, England had signed a treaty saying that they would protect Palestine from foreign rule, which was kind of crazy. And 1931, at the Saturn-Pluto opposition, is the opening of the book and the movie Exodus. Basically, Britain declares um, martial law in Palestine because they don't know what to do. Huh. I mean, th th there's no solution. That's 1931. In 1947, the UN is founded in 46. And by 48, Israel is founded and Palestine disappears. Now, I'm not judging right or wrong here. I'm just stating the absolute facts. This as is we what know happens. That. These boundaries of Saturn and then Pluto can make right. them invisible so, or shift or transform. So, huh. so we have Gandhi. We have Gandhi in jail in 1898 at the opposition. Oh, we have Gandhi in jail again in 1931. Huh? Oh, I said very Plutonian too, being at, in jail. In, 19, yeah. in, in 1931 at the Saturn-Pluto opposition. Gandhi is in, in jail the, the year again because he led the salt march, which was getting the Indians to boil seawater, make salt so they didn't have to pay the, Brit, the Brits tax, salt tax. So he ended up in jail in 1931 again. In 1947, at the conjunction that, that disappeared Palestine and created Israel, at that same conjunction, um, Gandhi got freedom for, for India. But here's where it gets bizarre. Because in 1982, at the following conjunction, the movie Gandhi came out. <laughs> what? Who could make it up I like know, that? and it's like, isn't it's, that the? <laughs> so, so the threads somehow it's it's like a, it's like taking a client and looking at what happened to that client when Saturn conjuncted their natal moon and then squared it and then opposed it and then squared it and then conjuncted it again, and you see that there's a theme that it might as well be the same damn event through different age eyes. Huh. And the same thing happens on this cultural level that the planets don't only affect us cult uh, individually, that culturally there is some sort of memory that create these brush fires that come up again and again and again and, and again. And the storyline just are, keeps threading through, yeah. And we are there now in spades because we had this opening in the 1960s from the, from the Uranus-Pluto conjunction with Saturn in opposition. And then we had um, in 19, I'm sorry, in 2012 to 2015, we had the Saturn-Pluto square, which is the awakening of what happened back in the 60s. So issues like gender issues, drug issues, racial civil rights issues, um, you know, power broking, uh, riots in the streets, uh, ecology, all these things that never really went away 
were all of a sudden back and it was like awakening and opening. And this Saturn-Pluto conjunction that we're in now is coming on the tail end of that. And there's something else that's occurred that's non-astrological, but it's changed astrology for everyone on the planet. And what it is, is it's the instant, instantaneous feedback of social media. Mm -hmm. Because if you were living under a, um, uh, let's say a Uranus-Neptune um, conjunction um, that was transforming the world, you'd only know about, if it was back in, let's say, 1812, which there was an opposition, you would only know about what was going on on your street corner. You wouldn't know that what was going on on your street corner was also going on in street corners in Rome and Berlin and Prague and, and right. Paris. You wouldn't know that. And now, not only do we know that, it gets captured on video because Live everyone has streamed. video cameras. Yeah, exactly. And we get to see it again and again and again and again. So I think we've entered into a period of time that what's happening is we're getting, and I've, I, I made this word up, it's my word, we're getting cosmic feedback loops. Mm, mm -hmm. just, just, like with, just like taking sound and amping it up and creating distortions that have their own level of being, by doing what we're doing, we're giving these, these, these low frequency, long-term cycles feedback that's making them even more powerful, which is why this Saturn-Pluto conjunction is so urgent, so powerful. No, anyone who says they know what's gonna happen doesn't, period. Right. Because we're, we're new. Matter of fact, if, if you see an astrologer who says, this is what's gonna happen, get the hell out of there, because they don't know what's <laughs> happening. They just have a, they just have a map. You know, a map of Bali or of New York State does not tell you where you're going. It just tells you where things are. Right. An astrology map doesn't tell you what's going to happen. It just tells you when it's going to happen. Exactly. This Anyhow. cycle may repeat itself, ladies and gentlemen. You have no <laughs> idea how. Fasten your seatbelt. And I think the cosmic feedback loops are even reverberating louder because of the social media echo chambers that are created. Because now you would, you would actually think, well, oh, we used to have this idea of, you know, at least in my mind, I thought we had this idea of morality. This is right. You don't bully people. You don't say those things. And it's almost this Plutonian thing has been exposed of everyone's shadow where it's like, no, some people are actually fine with that. It's like, where has, well, where have our boundaries you said, gone, you know? <laughs> what, what, what you just said goes right back to that thing that we started with, and that is the boundary between fact and fiction, between real and unreal, and between good and evil is simply not the same boundary it once was. In fact, you know, this whole fake news thing, yeah. you know, we've, we've slipped through an eye of a needle and I don't know that we'll ever recover one reality. I think that this is a state that we now live in and it's very crazy. It, I mean, it is crazy. It's clinically yeah, crazy. We spent the last couple of years wringing our hands about, you know, oh no, how can you like lie blatantly and still get away with that or but it's like it has almost become that it's the like, truth is no longer right it's like i mean how do you do you think saturn and pluto meeting up will create any sort of will have any sort of impact on that i mean i know we can't fully predict but you know i mean they were kind of well, we're kind of already together so much that yeah yeah the the answer is it would be nice the truth of the matter is that I don't know that we can get this genie back into the bottle. Mm. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, and, and that's not an astrological take. That's just a, you know, huh. I mean, I, I, I think um, there's, a, there's a, as much as I love astrology, there are other things that inform my astrology. And one of them is the work of Marshall McLuhan. Um, who many people know as a media guru of the 1960s, 70s. Um, he, um, his very famous book was called uh, The Medium is the Massage or The Medium is the Message. Mm. Um, and it was a James Joycean play on the word. Um, and, and basically McLuhan, one of his points was, 
it doesn't matter what we're watching on TV. The fact that TV is delivering, you know, um, vibrations is changing things. It, 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 the oh. medium is the message. I see. So the internet and is that medium. Social media is the medium, and it's truly and the that. content that we that we get all excited about content, but content is secondary to what the medium is. Now, the other thing that McLuhan claimed is that all technology was biological and that it was externalized for social use. Um, and, and I'm going to do this very quickly, but this is like an amazing, another rabbit hole. Um, I'm diving for in. Example, <laughs> for, for, for example, um, houses are a technology, but they're really the extension of our skin. Um, uh, a camera is the extension of our eye. Um, um, a wheel okay. is a rotary foot. Everything in technology happens biologically, but then we extend it. I now, get that, McLuhan yes. said, now, an electricity, McLuhan claimed back in the early 60s, um, was the externalization of our nervous system because our nervous system is electrical. And this was the sound sound issue here. So we'll have to do a little let me uh okay. Let it pass for a sec. We'll just start over with electricity in a minute as soon as this is the frogs of the internet pass. <laughs> Okay, still chirping a little there. You can hear me clearly. Yeah. So Marshall McLuhan. Uh, claimed that the electronic media was causing a retrialization. So Marshall McLuhan claimed that the electronic media, um, from radio to TV to even computers, um, was externalizing our nervous system. And that we now have, and he coined this word, we've flipped out. In other words, our wow. nervous system that used to be inside of us is now the World Wide Web, and we are running around inside of a greater brain. Is that now, why anxiety and everyone's like, oh, I'm logged in, I'm logged out, I don't know where to put my energy, so, my attention. So, yeah. so my, my theory is that we've flipped out, and this greater brain has gone schizophrenic. <laughs> now, with, now, no, and I mean this not as a joke. Because with neurosis, you can talk your way back. With neurosis, you can solve the issues and you can manage or even cure a neurosis. With schizophrenic, you put the two characters side by side, the two facets of the personality, and, and they, they, there's no communication. They can't talk. And that's what's happening on the planet between whether you call it fundamentalism, liberalism, whether you call it right-wing, left-wing, whether you call it I mean, there's, there's all the different names, but you put these two people together from these two different points of view, and the more they talk, the greater the tension becomes. It is and almost a schizophrenic one... dialogue, and it's giving everyone exactly. cognitive dissonance that they can't get past. And there's only one way to resolve tension that doesn't resolve by communication, and that is Uranus. Mm. In because Taurus, that's what your that's what your that's what Uranus's job is. Uranus's job is to resolve tensions that can't be resolved. Uh -huh. You know, um, when we bury stuff, I often say that that Uranus has one job, and it's the instantaneous resolution of irresolvable opposites. Uh -huh. Lightning. When lightning strikes, in that Ooh. one second, the opposite um, polarity, electrical, is is resolved for that one second. But, um, but we're in a crazy state. In 2020, we'll see some resolution. Where it'll go, I don't know. But between the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which will be playing, even though it's exact on January 12th, it'll be playing with us all year because of the transformations that are still needing to be resolved from the realities that are bumping up against each other now. 
And then, of course, the year culminates with the once every 20 year Saturn-Jupiter, Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. And that's another whole story. But 2012, I'm sorry, 2020 is couched in between these two Saturnian events, Saturn-Pluto and, um, and Saturn-Jupiter. And of course, Saturn changes and Jupiter change signs from Capricorn into Aquarius. But in ancient astrology, both Capricorn and Aquarius are related to Saturn. So yeah. Saturn's still at home. So it's going to be a very powerful year for everyone. And my words of wisdom to everyone is to, you know, keep breathing and, and to see who you, who's around you, because that's your family, mm. you know, and, and to be joyous. To, to regardless of, I mean, the, the, the Hopi prophecy says the river is running fast and the river will find the sea. And it says that he who holds on to the shore will be torn asunder, push away from the shore out into the middle where the river is moving the fastest. Wow. And keep your head above water. Look around, see who's there. This is your new family. Mm. Celebrate, mm. celebrate. And most importantly, do not take anything personally, because as soon as you do, your spiritual development stops. Wow. And that's crazy to say from an astrologer, because our astrology is all about taking things personally. It's about <laughs> the individual chart. And yet we find ourselves at a time in evolution where we have to just do whatever we need to do to get over our individual shit and figure out a way to not entertain the negativity. And I'm not saying we should be unrealistic. I'm no. saying that we need to see what's real and still find things to celebrate about with those who are nearby us. Those who well, are you know, us. Saturn's move into Aquarius from March 21st to July 1st, and then again, meeting up on, you know, on the winter solstice, December 21st with Jupiter, I think is like, pushing us to pay attention to the collective conscious away from the Capricorn, mine, mine, me and my, you know, and I think there's no way that it won't be just a little bit of a psychedelic experience. And as you're, you're talking about Uranus, I'm thinking about how it is in this very tactile position of Taurus. And I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people, I mean, even just seeing you in Bali, like, People really wanting to feel grounded. I've been over and over. They've been saying that and wanting more analog, touch, sixth sense experiences. Are you finding that, or do you think Uranus no, might I, bring that back a bit? I, I think it might, but Uranus in Taurus has one. I don't say a problem, but Uranus in Taurus. Taurus doesn't like change. Yeah, and Uranus oh. is about change, and so the difficulty with Uranus and Taurus is that we are in a time of great change. And when Uranus was in Aries, every little thing changed us because everyone didn't matter what you believed, it changed, it changed, it changed. But now with Uranus and Taurus, it's going to take some earthquakes. And I don't mean that physically, I mean metaphysically. It's going to take some real earthquakes to shatter the granite, the, the solidity of, of, of Taurus, because Taurus, Uranus and Taurus doesn't give it up very easily. When Uranus goes into Gemini, there it'll give it up very easily. There the change will happen quite, quite rapidly. But while Uranus and Taurus, as I think we're going to move 2025, yeah. Mm -hmm. about April, that. And until then, I think we're going to move through it pretty slowly. However, there's going to be huge abrupt shifts that whether you wanted to change or not, it's done. You're, you're, you're and all the else. earth, I mean, the earth is already doing that climate change or crisis, whatever you want to call it. And well, how, how does Saturn in your view, um, when it meets up with one of the inner planet, you know, of Jupiter, how do you think it, you know, that that's more inner than it, like, how does it, how does that mesh as opposed to like, where does the border happen with Saturn and Jupiter? Well, with Saturn and Jupiter, I think it does, to some extent, reset the boundaries. Uh -huh. You know, people don't realize, but our calendar is astrologically timed to Saturn-Jupiter's cycle, because Saturn and Jupiter make their new moon, their conjunction, every 20 years, 1900, 1920, 1940, 1960, 1980, 2001, actually it was, but now back to 2020. 
And then there are the full moon phases, the oppositions, were 1910, 30, 50, 70, 90. I, I didn't realize that. Wow. Okay. And, 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 wow. and if you think about it, the decades have alternating expansion and contractions associated. I mean, the the, uh, the, the um, 20s were expansive, the roaring 20s, the 30s were contractive, the 40s world war expansive, the 50s were contractive, the 60s psychedelic were expansive, the 70s were contractive, the 80s were expansive, the 90s were, and so on. And so, and so it's, the, the Jupiter-Saturn cycle is a little bit of the inhale-exhale process over the course of decades. Yeah, and are we so when they're an opposition? Is it more expansive or contractive? Do you think more? Well, well, right now they're obviously coming into con, into conjunction, uh-huh. and we're and and we're we're basically from conjunction on is expansive. We've been in a contractive decade. It does feel of, even though we've had huge technological advances that there's been this like return to this very you know it's like morality yeah. and and like seeing some very entrenched how about how, about how about how about calling it false morality okay yeah conservatism and fear mongering and what have you yeah right yeah. what is reality anyways really right well I, I, <laughs> let's in, ask in, saturn he knows <laughs> well actually he doesn't um he used to know uh in <laughs> horoscopes in horoscope symbols um, I think Rob Hand wrote that maybe in the early 70s, I'm thinking. He wrote, and I'm, I'm going to get this as close as I can, but it's not exact wording. He wrote, it, we used to believe, we, we used to think that Saturn was reality and Neptune is illusion. However, we've come to realize that Neptune is reality and Saturn is the illusion there was one. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I mean, nowadays it's as, it's not a big deal. I've, you know, to read a book by a channeled author, you know, channels from some 30,000 year old entity and just like take that more seriously than- Well, I used to, you know? I, I've said many times that when I grew up, <clears throat> I've always been a writer and always loved reading. And when I grew up, the the primary classification of any written material was fiction and nonfiction. However, most of what I and most of the people I know read these days is something in between. Yeah. And that includes Instagram. So, you know, well, are there any uh, parting words on Saturn you want to share with us? I like what you said, keep your head above water and the people who are around you are your family. It's actually a four year numerology. So for universal year, which really is all about who's your family, who are your anchors, how do you ground yourself? So that does reverberate in other mystical mediums too. So, you know, yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have any other words of wisdom at this point in time. I, I will again tomorrow. Of course. Well, you've, de- you've given us so many downloads. I'm never going to type ST again without thinking of, you know, that. <laughs> so well, a, 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 yeah. a quick little personal story, and that is that my immediate nuclear family um, and having a kid growing up in that family, um, there, were, there were words that dad created that became words. And <laughs> one of them was st. It was a word by itself. You know, it was like, are we leaving at eight o'clock, dad? Stuh. You know, (laughs) just meant Saturn. It meant that that was the limit, you know? Mm. Um, (laughs) I love it. Well, Saturn, you know, is definitely going to show its uh, limitations this year, but maybe not. Maybe be challenged in those as well. So, it's anyone's guess, but I'm glad we're having this conversation. So, you know, I mean, this doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, there's going to be a giant war, but there already are wars happening that we don't know about or that we don't well, really read about. But there, are, very- I mean, but there are wars, I mean, again, think about what's going on, you know, in Syria, in Afghanistan, right? in Iraq. They're happening um, you know, at our I mean, own they- border, you know? <laughs> That's right. I mean, these, there are wars that are being fought right now. And, um, yeah. 
yeah, Saturn, everyone, Saturn and Pluto. Well, thank you so much. Like, uh, I hope you have an amazing eclipse moment in Singapore. I, I don't know if you mentioned that at the top or not, but you're heading to Singapore to see the annular eclipse on the 26th I've, and 27th I've been, there, right? I've seen, I've seen two total eclipses. Um, one was a cloudy sky, but it was amazing. And the other was an absolute clear sky, and it was more amazing. But I've never seen an annular eclipse. You know, the moon gets bigger and smaller as it gets closer or further away to the Earth. A supermoon is a full moon when it's really close to the Earth. Well, this is the opposite of the supermoon. It's a moon that's far away at its apogee, away from the, from the, the Earth. micro moon, I've heard it called. And, yeah. and, and as such, at totality, it's not, it doesn't cover the sun completely. You don't just see the corona, you actually get a ring. And in Latin, the word annulus means a ring. And it's like and a so, ring of fire kind of, I've heard, you know, I've heard it called too, right? So we'll see. I, I, I will have my cameras with me. And if it's photographable, I got great photographs on the um, eclipse a few, the August, the, the Leo eclipse a couple of years ago. Oh my God, amazing. Um, but um, we'll see. I'm, All right. I'm in. Well, where can people check you out? On stariq.com? Yeah, probably the best place these days to see what I'm up to and to, you know, if you want to, you know, both get, uh, I have uh, monthly free videos and I have uh, a variety of other videos, both for teaching astrology and just, you know, uh, I, I do these uh, sometimes, I think we're, um, these occasional, uh, I call them cosmic quickies. <laughs> that are like 10 to 15, 10 to 15 minutes long. And they're just zaps on, on, on different things. Um, and I think we're offering a couple of those cosmic quickies to people who, um, who sign up actually. Awesome. Um, but, but the, the way, the place to find cosmic me. Quickies. Is, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cosmic quickies are no good unless you also have longer ones. <laughs> okay. A true um, zodiacal releasing, but I'm uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the place to find me, though, if anyone is still listening, um, don't is, get a Sag and Aries started on the Borscht Belt humor. It goes off the rails, right? Yeah. <laughs> what what what's a rail? Um, okay. The the place to find me there or find me is at Patreon. That's P A T R E O N, like patron with an E. So it's www.patreon.com slash Rick Levine, patreon.com slash Rick Levine. And that will get you to a page that basically tells you what I'm up to. And if you know, there's things you can get for free and there's things you can get if you have a lot of money and you want to throw at me. <laughs> well worth it. He is a master and wizard and uh, I am so honored that you did this with us so and i'm so pleased that we did it together rather than me just talking into a computer for an hour by myself this was a lot of fun thank you thank you very yeah, much yeah it's the age yeah. the aquarian age we gotta commune a little more and actually talk to each other instead of at each other see we're already dissolving those boundaries right now so <laughs> well thanks so much have an amazing new year and we will see more of you in 2020 bye rick Yay. Bye. Mwah.